You are now listening to the Conversationalist Podcast. You are now listening to the Conversationalist Podcast. I'm Jesse, and I'm here with Amanda. Hi. No intros, no songs, none of that shit. Why? Because I forgot the thumb drive at home. We are in San Diego, and we are about to attend um, Comic-Con. Um, now, did you just air quote? I air quoted on a podcast. Yes, I did. It's a little late. Uh, it's about 1 a.m., uh, we just got back from uh, Edwards Cinemax MPX IMAX 3D. It was pretty cool. Uh, we went to um, the movies because we wanted to catch the uh, 10 o'clock showing for uh, Star Trek Beyond. Um, initially, we had tickets to the 7 o'clock, the first showing, but uh, we are running a little late, and then, like, everybody up and down uh, California or, you know, the southern portion of California decided to get into a traffic collision uh, of all days when we're trying to get to San Diego, so extended our uh, commute by about an hour and a half. So that was pretty lame. Um, So we uh, we went to the 10 o'clock showing, and, um, you know, and the movie was amazing. Um, It was... I guess better than I thought it would be. Um, like people threw a lot of shade at... Uh, um, God damn it. Why am I losing his name? The director. Uh, people were throwing a shitload of shade at uh, Justin Lin. And... I guess it was because like he's directed like you know Fast and Furious and stuff like that. And people were like, oh, this is like not like the true spirit of what Star Trek is. Like They're very exploratory and... You know, it's supposed to be about, uh, you know, like, deeper social issues and stuff like that. And all this show is, you know, all this movie is, is a, you know, big ol' action flick. It's big ol' Fast and furious Um, there was a lot of action, there was a lot of fighting, there was a lot of, you know, conflict or whatever. But I think that, like, the storyline did kind of, you know, delve into some, you know, personal issues of the characters and, um... You know, like, where they're going and what they're doing and what's their purpose. And so it wasn't, like, just flashy, fighting, ego-driven, like, craziness. Like, it did have they its did purpose. They did fine. Yeah. I mean, it, it, everything that was in there had a purpose. I mean, I mean, certainly they probably could have done a different movie, but this is the movie that they did. And in this movie, there was action, there was excitement, there were explosions, there was conflict, but... Um, you know, if you watch the movie, uh, I think you'd appreciate it. Um, you know, so with these reviews, we basically like, you know, give a, a synopsis of the movie. So, I mean, if you don't want spoilers for Star Trek, then I guess then just don't listen to this podcast at all. Um, you know, but we will recommend that you go see it. It's not a waste of money. It's a very good film. And so if that's all you need to know, then you'll want to quit here. Um, so beyond this point... Uh, we'll be going into details. Uh, you know, basically, the movie is, is, uh, you know, there's a couple of crew members, uh, you know, particularly Spock and, uh, Captain Kirk that are, you know, having some, uh, 
personal issues on what they want to do with their lives and you know where they want to go and um so when they basically uh dock uh from an extended mission they are brought back out into space after um a lady uh shows up on a ship in this like new um i guess it's like a space city of sorts it's like a multicultural space city um the purpose of it being to kind of like bring different races together and to use it as kind of like a like a space station and i guess the reason for it was so that they didn't pick any one particular planet in the federation uh you know to basically like show favoritism so they made this like basically like planet slash uh space station so anyways um this lady it kind of looked like the city in guardians of the galaxy didn't you think like a little bit. The one that they land on and do most of their fighting at the end, and yeah, yeah, it it, it, it had that, that feel. It had that vibe. I mean, I guess though, like when you're like designing like a, a space city, you know, conceptually, and you're trying to make it unique. I mean, I guess there's really only so many ways that you can design it. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, in a futuristic city, you're going to have lots of like skyscrapers and big glass buildings and that kind of thing. Then obviously, like, you know, you're going to have some sort of simulated gravity because m- most of these, you know, creatures that are living on this space station are humanoid, you know, so you're going to have, you know, like the basics of what would appear to be a, you know, futuristic looking city with platforms and that kind of thing. Um, as uh, as uh, Dr. Bones McCoy called it, it looked like a very large snow globe. You know, this just waiting to get broken. <laughs> um, so it, it it did look pretty cool. So um, you know, to get back to what I was saying, the uh, what's the name of that character? Um, gosh, is it Jayla, who's played by Sophia Butella? Um, she plays that. She's uh, like a like a white skinned. Um, I mean, like literally, she's white with like uh, black markings on her face. Um, there's, there's a character that looks, I mean, it doesn't look similar to her. I mean, I can't, I can't think of the name of the specific character. It wasn't like a, a major character, but basically, um, they, this lady shows up at the space station, claims that, uh, that, uh, her like ship crashed or something and like she needed help like with a rescue. So naturally it's Star Trek. So uh, Captain Kirk and his crew get involved. Um, the the unique part of this is that they have to go into a nebula where it's basically um, like unexplored space, and because it's in a nebula, there's a lot of uh, interference in the atmosphere, so there's really no communication in or out. So they go there to assist this lady so that they can help her, um, you know, rescue her crew. But when they get there, a ship basically comes out of nowhere. And what looks like one large ship that's kind of... It looked Borgish at first. <laughs> um, but then it breaks up into a bunch of different ships. And, uh, you know, basically, like, annihilates um, their starship. And um, they're basically fighting a losing battle. <clears throat> and as uh, the crew is trying to eject, um, a lot of their escape pods are captured by these enemy, enemy ships as they're... Um, 
as the the starships basically barreling to the surface and so then once they um you know hit the surface they're trying to um you know reconnect they're trying to locate each other um specifically uh you have um let me see you have uh, montgomery scott or scotty who's with um dr mccoy and no oh wait he by that's, himself he yeah. finds jayla yeah i skipped ahead so um simon Pegg, who's played scotty he was initially by himself, and then he runs into Jayla when there's uh, three guys that are already on the planet that are basically looking to jump in. Jayla basically saves his skin and then takes uh, him back to her home. In the process, uh, they come across... Uh, God dang it. Well, here, you take it. You take it from here. What, what do you recall since... Well, her home is a ship... And right. she makes a deal with him that she'll help him find his mates if he helps her fix the ship so she can leave. And then they're trying to fix it, and someone sets off one of her traps, and it's um, it's Captain Kirk. And, uh, oh, what's his name? Russian boy. Oh, uh, Chekhov. Yeah, so then they all group up together, and then eventually... Eventually, they find uh, Spock and uh, McCoy, and then from there they they hatch their plan to get everyone else back. Right, and so there was a little bit of an issue because, like, during the crash landing, um, Spock uh, suffered a pretty severe injury uh, to the side of uh, like the right side of his stomach, which is where Vulcans' hearts are. It's like where the human liver is, and so it was very close to killing him. And so they were able to, um, basically, uh, Dr. McCoy was able to do something to stop the bleeding, but, you know, um, naturally they're, they, they, they have, they're going to have to fight their way out. And so, um, you know, he's having to deal with, uh, that injury during the process. And then like Amanda mentioned, they, uh, they do find that Jayla's home is actually like the USS Franklin. And so... Um, they are able to, um, get, they're, they're pretty confident they're able to get this starship, uh, into orbit, but they're not 100% sure how they're going to be able to do that specifically because they got to reach terminal velocity. Um, the ship is kind of on a cliff, but they're not sure whether or not they're going to be able to do it. Um, you know, whether or not it's going to be able to, you know, make it out into space because these particular model starships were actually built in space they weren't you know built on a planet and then brought into space they were built in space which is why they're called starships so um there's a little uncertainty there but you know before they can do that um you know obviously they're gonna have to re rescue the rest of the crew um you know meanwhile the uh bad guy that's uh played by idris elba as crawl um he's looking for this artifact that had been presented earlier in the movie when Captain Kirk was trying to mediate a peace agreement between um, two races. And this one race had uh, tried to offer this piece of a weapon um, to uh, another race that basically um, declined. And uh, so he maintained, Captain Kirk maintained possession of this item. Well, um, the, with this item on the starship, it was sought after by Krall. And so 
um, crawls looking for this item, and it, it turns out that one of the uh, um, crew members that uh, he had captured, along with uh, um, along with the uh, God damn it, how do you say her name? Yuhura, Ahura, um, um, Lieutenant Ahura, played by uh, Zoe Saldana. Um, that, that you know he takes possession of that weapon, and so obviously. Captain Kirk, Spock, and everybody, they go to uh, try to rescue the crew members, um, which they're successful in doing after they're able to get um, the, uh, like the, the transportation unit up in the USS Franklin. So they, they lead a successful res- rescue, but they lost the weapon. Um, then you have um, either Selba or Crawl, who um, basically mobilizes all of the um, starships again and are going to attack the um, basically that little mini planet. There was a there was a name for it, it Yorktown, so they were going to attack this uh, this little mini planet that the Federation has there called Yorktown, and so uh, you know they have to get their ship into orbit in order to stop them. Unfortunately, they're massively outgunned and the you know they're basically operating a junk heap. Um, so they they realize that uh there's they're like they're like bees they 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 have a swarming pattern that is um like synchronized and so they realize that they can basically disrupt their swarm much like you can disrupt bees in terms of like you know you like you put smoke in bees and then they kind of get confused so they they find out that uh Radio signals are what uh, are able to um, distort and like significantly damage their ships. So um, earlier, when uh, Scotty was with Jayla before he discovered that, hey, look, this is the ship. Um, she was listening to music while they were repairing these items, and so they use uh, you know this radio and like pump it through the um, the speakers. And, and drive their starship right into the middle of the swarm in order to start destroying ships. Um, in the process, um, Yorktown takes this uh, signal that's basically destroying all of these ships and replicates it, um, effectively destroying most of the swarm that was, uh, you know, going to destroy that entire artificial planet. Um, so what ends up happening is Crawl uh, ends up making it into the planet because he still has possession of the weapon and it's basically going to disperse it inside of a containment unit in the center of Yorktown that's going to be able to disperse this uh, basically like chemical type weapon that could basically just wipe out everybody in that planet and while they're in the process of uh, trying to figure out um, like how they're going to stop him they're in the old ship and it's playing like old uh, video uh like it's playing old video from like the original crew from the Franklin and they realize that uh Crawl was actually the starship captain from the Franklin and he had basically transformed um they discovered a planet that had some sort of a technology that um prolonged life and while he was out in space uh you know he basically felt that uh, the Federation had abandoned them and 
started to develop the idea that um, the unity that the human race enjoys or that the Federation enjoys with having uh, multiple races come together as one as a, a sign of strength that he felt conflict is what made you stronger and is what actually drives us and that uh, we've basically been led astray and um, as it turns out like he'd been alive for quite a long time um, and he had a war record going back uh, a long way before the Federation even existed and uh, so once they discover this you know they're trying to appeal to I guess his older self although that doesn't really work um, and there's a there's a pretty good battle between him and Captain Kirk um, in the end obviously Captain Kirk ends up uh, getting this getting crawl out of this uh, ventilation unit and uh, opening an emergency vacuum that uh, pulls him out with the chemical weapon you know in an ironic twist this chemical weapon basically destroys him in the vacuum of space uh, so crawl dies and uh, Captain Kirk lives to see another day and then you know we basically find out that Captain Kirk was deciding that you know maybe he should be a vice admiral at this New York uh, Yorktown facility but once he has the opportunity basically handed to him after it's discovered that hey he saved millions of people he decides he doesn't really want it I mean do you really think that Captain Kirk's gonna take the vice admiral role and not be a captain of a starship I mean how are they going to continue the franchise right um, and then you know you also find out that even though Spock was thinking about you know possibly um, becoming an ambassador um, like the other Spock um, he decides that you know it seems as though he basically decides that his place is with um, you know the starship and the crew because he realizes that he cares about them more than um, he thinks he does and that it's more logical for him to be with them than to you know go back to uh, New Vulcan so um, you know so we know that the crew is going to stay together um, you know obviously in the movie the reason that Spock was kind of on the fence about that is because he finds out through uh, other Vulcan that you know Ambassador Spock had passed away and, um, you know, that kind of led to some of his decision-making and whether or not, like, he should do what he was going to do. Um, so, you know, in the end, after they defeat Krall, uh, you know, you pretty much know that most of the crew staying together, um, you know, toward the end of this, uh, film, they're actually building a brand new starship. So, um, you know, there is going to be a sequel, though, that... You know, the thing that made the movie sad is that, you know, for those of you who aren't watching the, haven't been watching the news, you know, rather recently, Anton Yelchin, who plays Chekhov, uh, died. And it was basically, you know, a tragic accident. Um, they'd basically wrapped filming and he drove his vehicle and parked it in the driveway and at some point when he was near uh like he was near the vehicle uh somehow it started rolling backward and 
he ended up getting pinned between his car and like a brick wall and he died pretty quickly so uh you know it's a pretty freak accident you know he's a pretty young actor and uh i mean he played the role of Chekhov perfectly and it's you know really sad that uh you're not going to see him in any more star trek roles um you know i know there were some articles that basically said that uh you know there was a little bit of uncertainty as to whether or not they wanted to actually like replace him or whether or not um they were going to kill off his character or what they were going to do with it uh but i read that you know pretty much it was never a consideration of replacing him as a character that was absolutely out of the question i think it was just a question of whether or not they wanted to kill off his character or whether they wanted to do something else with it in terms of explaining like why he's not going to be in any of the other movies but um you know in case you weren't aware there's that um i think the one thing that was slightly different from you know like what you're used to seeing from the characters is uh that in this particular movie uh sulu played by john cho is gay he has a a partner husband whatever he is and uh they have a daughter together and so i don't do you did you read any of the articles related to that recently no so basically there were a lot of people that were you know had a huge outcry about whether or not um the director and like you know the the writers and stuff should have made sulu gay because in the originals obviously sulu wasn't gay and so they were there were a lot of people that were angry that they just made a character gay just to make him gay um and one of the um surprising pe you know one of the people that was um rather surprising to basically agree with the fact that with some of those people that were upset with the fact that they made sulu gay um was uh god dang it the original the original sulu george takai yeah so george takai basically you know agreed on twitter saying that um you know it wasn't in the spirit of the original character and when the original character was developed um like that wasn't the intent of the creator to have that character be gay and so there were a lot of people that are like how could he say that he's gay like how could he have those thoughts it's like because he's just trying to protect the character that he played and he's just saying that you know the creator well he actually got to work with gene roddenberry who created it well obviously these people haven't so and, and well and he brought that up he said that gene roddenberry basically you know he this was the intent of the character of sulu you know sulu was not meant to be gay obviously i am but that doesn't mean that the character needs to be gay and so i guess the like the director and other cast were actually surprised that he agreed with those other people that had a problem with it because they thought that he because he was gay that obviously he would be happy with it and you know one of the people that did come to the defense of the change of the character's sexuality 
obviously was uh, um, Zachary Quinto, and he basically was also gay. Right, he's gay. So you know, naturally, he was just like, well, you know, I think it's you know a good thing, and you know, he was surprised that uh, you know George Takai had an issue with it and thought it was unfortunate. Um, you know, I mean, whether the character Sulu is gay or not in the movie, I mean, I don't think matters necessarily. I, I mean, I. Well, it's not like they threw it in anyone's face. I mean, it was really quick. Yeah, I mean, they, it it's there, but it's not like in your face, like Amanda said. It's they, you know, you you see it, um, but it's not. It you know they're not like driving it home constantly that you know. Sulu leads an alternative lifestyle. Like it, it wasn't. I mean, you see the guy twice. Yeah. In the whole movie. It, it it wasn't a big deal at all. Um, you know, and then the, one of the, one of the explanations, um, you know, that I'd read was that basically, look, there's infinite timelines, and that obviously, from the first movie, you know, dealing with you know the timelines and stuff like that, everybody, could be different in these timelines and so who's not to say that in this timeline that Sulu's that Sulu's gay you know there could be a version of you that's completely different from who you are you know you could be gay in another timeline you could be an evil person in another timeline so arguably there could be a version of you out there like that and so, why is it a problem that we're just basically exploring that? I mean, whatever their excuses. That might be a little far, far reaching, but yeah, I mean, it, whatever. I mean, they, I mean, they're they're trying to make their point, and you know, I was just, I don't think it's as big a deal as you know certain people made it. Um, I mean, I understand that a lot of people were like, "Oh yeah, of course," in this PC time. You know, they're just going to just go ahead and make a character gay. Like, it's just, it's, uh... Well, it is kind of like changing, you know, a comic book character yeah. to some people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it very much is. And, um, you know, I think the, I think the change was pretty subtle. Like, like Amanda said, it wasn't in your face. And so I'd really, I personally didn't have a problem with it. And, I mean, most people that have a huge problem with it would probably I think have a different opinion when they watch the movie and see that it's just it's it's very minimal it doesn't really add anything to the story it doesn't take anything away from the story you know it's just a different dynamic of the character and its development maybe it maybe it plays in more later maybe it doesn't it's just a sexuality like does it make him a better does it make him a better starship pilot? Like, no. Like, does it... You know, so I... You know, there there was that. And it was... Uh, there was, I mean, way too much attention, you know, given to, uh, like, that fact. Um, there was... Uh, you know, what I was... What, there, there, what I did like is I liked uh, Sophia Botella's character, Jayla. Because... Um, like... She was a pretty strong character. She d- didn't rely on any sort of overt sexiness. You know, she looked like one of those, um, 
I don't know, less attractive <laughs> humanoid creatures. But she kicked ass. She saved other people's butts. You know, she was smart. She didn't require any sort of help. She was just like a a strong like I don't know, independent a strong female character. <laughs> yes. What I mean though is that the character wasn't just a strong female character that they made. Like, oh, we're just going to put this strong female character in there. Like, I thought the character, like, as a whole, was, I thought, a, a pretty, like, well-developed character in terms of how they, like, you know, explained, like, her backstory and why she was there and, you know, like, you know, why she's a badass and, you know, all that kind of thing. I, I, it seems to me that, like, from this movie that there's a good possibility that you're going to see Jayla as a permanent uh, fixture in the upcoming Star Treks. I mean, well, it's yeah, not so much a subtle hint. Academy. Yeah, it's not so much a subtle hint. You know, Captain Kirk basically says, hey, Academy's recruiting, so you might have, you know, yes, you're going to have to wear one of these uniforms if you want to be a part of the organization. So, I mean... It's not so much subtle, but, you know, it's there. So, I mean, I thought the character was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought, she was a good character. I thought she did a pretty good job. So, um, you know, with, with that, I mean, is there, like, really uh, anything else to add? I mean, I think that just in general, I'd be shocked if it didn't have, like, a really high, like, Rotten Tomatoes rating. I think it's fresh should be pretty high in the rankings among both critics and moviegoers. It's it is a must see. We saw it in IMAX 3D. I'd highly suggest it because like it's very visually pleasing. It is super cool. I mean, it's ultimately. Nice. Yeah, so um definitely check that movie out. Obviously, can't see enough good things about IMAX. It's super cool being able to walk in 5 minutes till the movie and have your seats. <laughs> Yeah, that's always a plus. So, um, anything that, like, you wanted to mention, touch on, talk about that what wasn't mentioned already? No. Okay. Well, um, that's pretty much it for our review. I mean, we didn't cover every single little tiny detail that's in that movie. We basically just gave you, like, a brief, you know, a semi-brief synopsis of the movie. Ultimately... Big thumbs up. You enjoyed it. Bring some tissues if you're prone to being sad. Because yeah. it does get a little emotional. Yeah, I concur. So, check that movie out. Um, we'll be doing probably one or two more podcasts over the next two days. We're going to talk about you know some of the stuff that we're going to do out here um, in San Diego for Comic-Con. Obviously, we mentioned that we didn't actually get tickets to the, um, to the convention this year. So, we won't be doing anything that's on the floor or, you know, any panels that are related to um, Comic-Con itself. But um, we love coming out here, so we're going to attend um, the Carnival Camp at Petco Park. We're going to go down, check out Geek and Sundry booths, Nerdist, um, you know, all the other related booths. Probably check out, you know, Nintendo Lounge, you know, uh, 
Xbox, Sony, you know, Sega's Lounge, uh, you know, go and attend uh, some of the panels associated with uh, the Nerd Machine. Uh, you know, there's various panels that we have there. Some, you know, late night stuff dealing with uh, Kevin Smith's Hollywood Babylon podcast, Chris Hardwick's podcast, his stand-up shows. So we're, we're, we're doing plenty of stuff and we're going to cover everything. And we're basically going to explain like how you can have fun even if you don't have tickets to Comic-Con. So just, uh, you know, check out those episodes. We hope you enjoy this review. Um, if you have any questions, comments, uh, email us that uh, conversationalist at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook at that conversationalist. You can also uh, check us out on Twitter at that con podcast. Uh, download or listen to us on SoundCloud and you can also download us or listen to us on iTunes. So thanks for listening. This is God dang, what is this? Episode 22, 23? I don't even know. So I don't know. This is a special Star Trek review. Thank you for listening and have a good night. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Bye.